We all remember our first kiss, but can't remember what we ate for dinner yesterday. What makes certain things stick in our memory? Welcome to the Pulse of American Healthcare. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing current therapies for new uses. And my guest is Dan Heath, co-author of the best-selling book, Made to Stick. And Dan lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. Dan and I are discussing what makes certain ideas sticky and others not, and how that might apply to a medical practice. Dan, welcome to ReachMD. Thanks for having me. So what are the main concepts of Made to Stick? Made to Stick says that there are these occasions in our lives where we've got to communicate our ideas in a way that they'll last. You know, teachers giving lessons to their students, or doctors giving advice to their patients, or parents giving advice to their teenagers. And the book says that there are systematic ways that we can communicate our ideas to predispose them to success. And then those techniques are learned from a study of some of the stickiest ideas in the world, fables, folk tales, urban legends, proverbs, this whole class of ideas that circulate on their own merits without money or resources behind them. And so what we've done is reverse engineer what makes these ideas work and show normal people like you and me how to use them for their own ideas. I read the book and thought it was great. And one of my favorite examples was the JFK story that you wrote about. Tell us about the man in the moon and why that's so important. This is one of the greatest political sticky ideas of all time. You know, in 1961, John F. Kennedy challenged us to put a a man on the moon and return him safely within the decade. Now, this is a single idea that motivated a nation of millions for the better part of a decade. Isn't that remarkable? And it captures perfectly what we're talking about with stickiness. It's incredibly unexpected. You know, it sounded like science fiction in 1961 to put a man on the moon. It's amazingly concrete. And what concrete means is that you can visualize the idea. So there was no one in the nation scratching their head about what the moment of success would be for putting a man on the moon. You can visualize that moment. The problem is that in the organizational world, this is not the way people talk. You know, if JFK had been a modern-day CEO or a politician, he'd probably have mangled that speech into something like, our mission is to become the international leader in the space industry, using our capacity for technological innovation to build a bridge towards humanity's future. And we probably still wouldn't be on the moon today, is my guess. This particular idea had the two sticky principles of unexpectedness and concreteness. What are the other four that you talk about in the book? This is really an idea that's six for six. We identified six key traits that are associated with stickiness. I talked a little about unexpectedness and concreteness. It's quite simple, which is the third. It's easy to understand, easy to explain. It's credible, the fourth. Uh, It came from the mouth of a popular president. It's emotional. It appealed to our sense of yearning to, you know, to get to the next frontier, to explore, and also, frankly, to beat the Soviets. And the final principle of stickiness is the use of a story. And, and this was, in a sense, uh, a story in miniature, the story of a journey. Does an idea to be sticky always need all six principles? No. I think it's fair to say the more the merrier, but there are lots of ideas out there, proverbs, for instance, that may just have three or four of the principles. And so what we'd advise is, you know, at that moment when you have an idea that needs to stick, just literally, you know, scratch these principles down on a piece of paper and and compare your idea. You know, is there a way to take the abstract language I'm using and use something more sensory? Is there a way to tell a story that embeds the message that I'm trying to communicate? Is there a way to 
to be simpler, to cut back on some of what I'm trying to get across. And so you can think of this as really a checklist for stickier communication. And the man in the moon idea is that's a big sticky idea from a person who gets our attention in a very big forum. So, you know, JFK had a lot of these things going for him before he even started. But how can we use these ideas on everyday issues? Yeah, I mean, none of us have the bully pulpit that JFK had. But what inspires me is that I think stickiness is the great equalizer for ideas. If you think about urban legends and and proverbs, for instance, these are universally circulated ideas that have no advertising budgets, no resources behind them. They aren't promoted by charismatic people like JFK. They're simply ideas that stick on their own merits. And, And what we talk about again and again in our book are everyday people teachers and doctors and uh, managers who learn to communicate their ideas in a powerful way that sticks. One of my favorite stories in the book, there's an elementary school teacher who designed a simulation in her classroom that basically cured them of racial prejudice. That's an astonishing claim, but let me tell you what she did. She came into class the day after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, and, and she wanted to make it visceral to these students what prejudice was all about. So she said, I have an announcement to make the blue-eyed kids in the room are the superior ones. So if the brown-eyed kids would get up and move to the back of the room, I want you to put on this little collar so we can tell that you have brown eyes from a distance. And you're going to have restricted recess privileges. You're going to have to wait in the back of the line at lunch. And the impact was absolutely devastating. You know, Blue-eyed kids and brown-eyed kids who'd been friends were no longer friends. The brown-eyed kids started to act defeated and kind of demoralized. The next day, the teacher came into class and said, I have an announcement to make. I got it wrong yesterday. Actually, it's the brown-eyed kids that are superior. So you move to the front of the class. The blue-eyed kids put on the collars. This was an absolutely brutal but effective simulation run by this teacher. In fact, they have reunions of these kids 20, 25 years later, and they still talk about what a powerful moment it was for them and, and the difference it made in their lives. That's a great example of a normal person, not a JFK person, but an elementary school teacher who invested some care in the way to get across an idea and made a lifelong impact. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Pulse of American Medicine on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I am speaking with Dan Heath, co-author of the best-selling book, Made to Stick, about how these concepts might work in a healthcare setting. Let's just talk about that. Here's an issue that medical professionals struggle with every day. How can we use these sticky principles to get more patients to sign up to take part in, let's say, clinical trials for medical research? A couple things there. One is, a lot of times, we instinctively try to get other people to care by appealing to their self-interest. You know, so the classic way to get someone involved in a trial is to pay them, you know, and put that forward. You know, you're going to get $130 to participate in this survey. The Red Cross ran a very interesting study where they compared the success rates for blood drives. And they found that in some cases, what used to be a very successful blood drive was actually set backwards when they started paying people to donate blood. Because to the people who were donating, it was an act of compassion. It was an act of sacrifice. And then to end up getting $15 or or movie tickets or something for it, it kind of cheapened the act of service. And so the broader lesson there in the terms of stickiness is that sticky ideas always have an emotional component. So in the blood drive example, the emotional component was what was motivating these people to give blood was service. It wasn't self-interest. And so I think the broader lesson is, you know, are there 
parts of people's identity, parts of people's aspirations that you can speak to when you want them to take part in clinical trials. And so it's not just about self-interest. It's about self-sacrifice. It's about doing something for the good of society, doing something for the good of future patients. So let's say a hospital wants to begin attracting patients to a new women's health center that they're just opening up. How might they use sticky principles to attract patients? Again, there's probably an identity component to this. And when I say identity, I'm contrasting that with with the normal self-interest model of the way that people make decisions. And there's a political scientist named Jim March at Stanford who says that when people make decisions based on their identity, they ask themselves three fundamental questions. They say, who am I? What kind of situation is this? And what would someone like me do in this situation? And so a women's health clinic is clearly a value-oriented organization. And so the question is, when you speak to women who might be potential customers or patients, you know, can you communicate some of those values in a way that it feels like, you know, this is the kind of institution that aligns with my values? And rather than talking about the services that the hospital provides in a long bulleted list, can you simply tap into the emotion of setting up a service that's run by and for women? Is there something you could think of in your examples of unexpectedness that might apply to something like opening a women's clinic? Well, certainly. I mean, the entire premise that there is an organization suited for women only is in itself unexpected. And I think uh, probably a very welcome bit of unexpectedness to a lot of women. And I think more broadly, the point of unexpectedness is to communicate uncommon sense. So, so much of organizational communication just feels bland to the point of pointlessness. If you read mission statements and values, they're all the same, that, you know, we'll aspire to integrity, we'll treat our stakeholders with dignity. Everybody on earth from the tire shop to ExxonMobil uses the same language. The way to stand out and the way to grab people's attention is to use uncommon sense is to say something that is not the norm. So think of Johnson & Johnson's famous credo, where the first line of their mission statement is that our first duty is to the doctors, nurses, patients, and parents who use our products. Right Now, all of a sudden, you've departed from the normal land of bland mission statement speak, and you've talked about some groups of people who people would feel honored to serve. If I'm a J&J employee, it helps me get out of bed in the morning to know that I'm helping doctors and nurses. Do people get out of bed in the morning to go maximize shareholder value? That's hard for me to imagine. Matistic isn't just about speeches and advertising, though. It's also about how we conduct our everyday life. Tell us the Palm Pilot story and why it was so sticky. Yeah, so there was a guy named Jeff Hawkins, who was the leader of the Palm Pilot team. And keep in mind, at the point when the Palm Pilot was being developed, the PDA market was a fiasco. You know, every major PDA attempt had, had failed, including the Apple Newton. And so Jeff Hawkins was determined to avoid the mistakes other people had made. And the number one mistake was to try to do too much, to try to pound too much functionality into these little gizmos. And so what he did was he started carrying around just a little block of wood in the shape of the Palm Pilot. And it became basically a a living reminder of what the team was trying to build. The Palm Pilot was supposed to be a PDA that was extremely simple to use. And so periodically, Hawkins would pull out the wood block in a meeting, you know, and pretend to take notes just to get a feel for what it would be like to live with this thing. It was also suggestive of features. So one thing that he knew was from the shape of the wood block, they wouldn't be able to use AA batteries, for instance. They just wouldn't fit in that shape. 
So it not only embodied the notion of simplicity, it also had practical value in terms of helping them figure out how to design this thing. And, and so in the book, we talk about how this block of wood was basically a visual proverb of sorts. It was a way of putting a lot of meaning into a very concrete symbol that reinforced to people, look, let's not repeat the mistakes of the past PDA efforts. Let's make this one simple. Let's just do a few things and do them well. According to our guest, Dan Heath, memory is like Velcro. The more hooks and loops, the more things stick. Why do certain ideas stick in our brains? I want to thank Dan Heath, co-author of the book, Made to Stick, for helping us understand the Made to Stick concepts and how they might apply to our work in healthcare. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, the nonprofit that repurposes existing treatments for new uses. You've been listening to The Pulse of American Medicine on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.